This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Later we'll update you on what has now turned into one of the worst flu seasons in decades and Lexington has seen a flu death at this point. We'll also talk about how vaping by teens has spiraled out of control and is leading to health troubles. Fayette County Health Commissioner Dr. Craig Humball will join us shortly. But first, a leading Kentucky lawmaker talks about what's likely to happen in the 2020 session of the General Assembly that started this week. David Mead is the speaker pro tem, always helping steer legislation. Right now he's sort of doing double duty, filling in for Majority Floor Leader John Bam Carney. We'll ask Mead what he knows about Carney's tough health situation and what's likely to pass in the remainder of the 60-day session. Mead is a Republican from Stanford. He represents Lincoln and part of Pulaski counties. Uh, he's also uh, works in real estate and uh, some uh, electrical engineering work when there's time. <laughs> but otherwise I know you're very tied up with uh, what's going on, and we appreciate you coming in. Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, first of all, you are working sort of backstop right now with additional duties and in, in, in assisting uh, in moving the the, uh, the legislation even more than you already do in your position. What can you tell us about uh, Majority Leader Bam Carney? Well, Bam is doing very well. He's on a, a road to recovery right now. He's he's drastic improvement over the last two weeks, and I would just ask that folks continue to pray for him and his family as he continues down that road of recovery, but he is, he's doing very well. Is there some belief he uh, may return for part of the session? Well, that, that's the hope, and, and I truly believe in my heart that God will touch him and heal him in such a way that he will be able to come back out there towards the end of the session. He's got a long road to recovery, but uh, I, I, I feel like he can make it back. He's a powerful force and, uh, uh, you know, and, and really, I know, uh, moves the legislation along and, and can count the votes. Uh, how are you filling in in the meantime? Well, all of leadership is stepping up and filling that role right now behind the scenes, but uh, we, we kind of did that before. Uh, we would help BAM with determining what, where to refer bills and, and what bills were, that we needed to start moving on and working on. So it's, uh, it, it's just we're all picking up the slack right now. What are your initial impressions of how a divided government is going to work? You have a Democratic governor, uh, Andy Bashir, now in, Republicans obviously with uh, powerful majorities in the House and the Senate, uh, and everybody's saying they want to get along. Uh, is this working out early on? Well, I, I think so. Uh, we're willing to work anyway in anywhere that we can, uh, in, in every place that we can. And I, I like Governor Bashir personally. He's a, a re very nice person, very res respect respectful person. And so uh, we get along fine. We are very cognizant of the fact that he did get less than 50% of the vote. And so more voters voted against him than for him. Uh, and what you gather from that is that the voters of the state of Kentucky have those conservative, pro-job, pro-life values that they hold dear. And so that's what we're going to continue to work on is those conservative values. And we hope that he'll come alongside of us on that as well. The biggest item to hammer out this year, quite obviously, is the budget, the two-year spending plan. It's $22 billion, take, uh, here, give or take a billion or two. Uh, uh, do you think that is, uh, it's going to be possible to, to hammer out to something that, uh, that all sides can at least agree with. 
I think so. Uh, right now we're, we're taking that budget. We've been in some meetings for the past couple of months where we take the, the budget that we currently have, we're bringing in our committee chairs and kind of giving them a refresher course on how the budget works. And there's numbers that we already know we're going to have to have in place, like the Medicaid numbers, and, and then there's certain programs. So on January the 28th, when the governor rolls out his budget, we'll take a look at it. and. If there's some things that we agree with, which there probably will be, we'll, we'll put those in place. And if there's some things we disagree with, there probably will be. We'll change some of those things. But I think in the end, we'll come to a good, solid budget that we could agree on. Do you agree with the assessment of a lot of folks that the state has a lot of needs and a lot of wants and maybe not enough revenue to get those things done over the next two years? I do. We have limited resources right now as far as revenue coming in. We're not like the federal government where we where we cannot have a, a balanced budget. We have to have a balanced budget in this state. There's We can't print our own money. Uh, it's very difficult for us to borrow. We can bond, of course, but uh, we, we have to do that in a very limited fashion. So it's, it's going to be a, a tight budget again this year. What do you see happening in that regard? I mean, do you see additional revenue being raised in some way? Well, I think what you've seen from the tax reform that we've already done over the past few years is that that is working. Uh, it, it's going to take some time to change things and get back to, to a budget that we have prioritized. But you saw almost a $200 million surplus this year. Also receipts in October were up almost 15%, showing that that's stimulating the economy. Folks are spending more, folks are keeping more money in their pockets, so they're willing to, to, to put that back into the, 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 uh, the public, into the system. But many know that Kentucky's revenue code, mostly written decades ago, doesn't very efficiently capture revenue. And so as the national economy is strong, the state is not benefiting to the extent it could. You're exactly right. We have an antiquated tax system, but the first step in tax reform is always the hardest. And we took that in 2018, and hopefully we can continue down that path. Uh, we're to a point now where we can continue. Whether we see much of that this year or not, I'm not sure, but we're going to start that work. And I think over the next few years, you're going to continue to see us be able to broaden that base and lower that income tax rates. We hear so many folks say, we want to be like Tennessee, we want to be like Florida and Indiana with a lower income tax rate. And so that's our goal, is that we want to try to lower that income tax rate. I would hope that we could get to a 0% income tax rate. I know that's a far reach, but uh, that would be our ultimate goal. Whether we get there or not, we're going to get it as low as we possibly and can. And shift it more where? Well, you, you, you spread that more to a consumption-based tax, uh, as, as we did the past uh, budget cycle that we worked on. So you're, you're using more of the money that's being spent in the economy uh, and making it a more fair tax system rather than based on income tax. Does that mean bring more services uh, in for taxation? It, it could potentially. We would have to continue to look at the services that we've got out there. But like I said, right now, we, we're not in a position to continue down that road this year. We're going to start that work. But right now, the primary focus has been on what we have and, and and spending that in this next budget. Governor Bashir says more revenue could come from expanded gaming. As you know, he says casinos would generate hundreds of millions of dollars, and he says he would like to take that and dedicate it to pensions. Uh, is that a non-starter for Republican legislature? There have been discussions in the House about it. Uh, I still think that it's a heavy lift in the House. The Senate have, have really gone on record as saying that it's a non-starter there. What we've come up, what we've seen here recently is the numbers are very difficult to get a hold of. We've heard, we've heard numbers anywhere from 100 million to 500 million, and the, the numbers that we're getting, we're not sure are completely accurate. So for us to go in and base a budget off of those numbers, 
the, really in all reality would be more gambling with the lives of the people of Kentucky than it would be uh, crafting a budget. And yet there seems to be uh, support for sports betting, which you know doesn't bring in a lot of revenue, right? That, that's correct. But there, if anything passes in the House, it's more likely to be that on the sports betting side. The governor says he will put a $2,000 raise for teachers in his budget proposal. Uh, in your view, does that stay in the final budget? Well, we would love to give teachers a raise. I mean, we would love to give janitors and, and cafeteria workers and bus drivers because they're all, uh, we're, we're, we're in a spot where we need those folks as well uh, because we're, we're lacking in those areas as well. So we'd love to give all of them and all of state employees a raise. Uh, but as we've said before, right now we have limited resources and if we can uh, juggle things around in the budget to be able to do that, that's absolutely great. But uh, we've got a difficult task ahead of us, especially when you look at the money that has been put into the budget over the past a couple years for pensions. Uh, you're looking at 3.3 billion is what we put in last budget cycle. You're looking at at least that or more this budget cycle. And that really, really constrains us when it comes to crafting that budget. And you do believe that needs to be sustained? Absolutely. One of our primary focuses will be fully funding that pension system. Will the legislature fully fund the school safety law, which was passed last year? Lots of uh, different facets of that, including uh, hardening the schools as potential targets, but it costs money to do that. Uh, is the legislature going to come up with the money for that? Well, that is one of our priorities in the House, is making sure that we fund that school safety bill. All of that money doesn't have to come this year. There are certain things that are required to be met this year that we can fund those things and continue working on funding the others as, we, as they come, come into play. But for now, yes, that is our, one of our primary focuses. The states of uh, colleges and universities have been cut for 12 straight years. Uh, do you foresee at least stopping those cuts with this budget? Well, I think that, that, that part of the budget is going to be something we're going to have to look to Governor Bashir on, see what his ideas and his, and, and his budget have in store when it comes over on the 28th. What if he comes in and lays out one version of the budget that has uh, revenue enhancements, including uh, casino gaming? and he comes with another plan that does not have that. And it looks very different in terms of what can be uh, potentially accomplished. Uh, do you think that is something that lawmakers are prepared to look at? Well, I think right now we're, we're prepared for anything. We're, we're, like I said, we're just laying out what we know is going to be in that budget and, and waiting for his lead as it comes over. But if, if he has two separate types of budgets there, that's, that's when the discussions are really gonna have to start as we, we start to meet with him. You have not uh, identified a House Bill 1, but you've told me that you do have uh, some priorities that uh, you're ready to announce probably in this coming week, and you can give us a little bit of a heads up about uh, what those are. We do. Uh, next week you should see us roll out the priority bills for the House. Uh, some of those things, for example, we're, we're going to continue down the path that we have for the past three years since we've been in the majority, and that's putting families first, prioritizing their needs, uh, whether that's through job creation and job growth or stimula stimulating the economy, or maybe that's through child welfare with adoption and foster care reform. But everything that we have tried to do is to make the lives of Kentuckians better and make Kentucky a better place to raise a family. And so that's where the path we're going to continue down. The budget, of course, is going to be that primary priority, but uh, there are some things that we're, we're going to roll out next week, such as uh, public assistance reform. There may be some things that we're going to do, well, there are some things that we are going to do with that, uh, and that's going to be one of our priorities. And how can we maintain that safety net that some folks need in their lives, but help them transition, give them the, the, the 
the things that they need to transition over into the workforce. So we're going to look at that. Also, there's a, a bill that Senator Alvarado and I have been working on with the Speaker Pro Tem from Ohio, and it's called the Cure Act. And what it does is it incentivizes drug companies and, and uh, research companies that potentially have a cure for diseases such as cancer or Alzheimer's to go ahead and finish their clinical trials and get that to market if they believe they have a cure. And if they can prove they have that cure, then there are some great rewards that they will receive for doing that. A couple of items that require a photo ID for voting, you see that likely to pass? Uh, I think there, that's something that in the House, and as far as the House and House leadership are concerned, we haven't got to have many discussions on because we have been so focused on that budget. Most of those discussions have come from the Senate. We've done some research on it so far. We know that uh, Secretary of State Michael Adams, that was one of his campaign promises. So we've been looking into it, but we're not to a, a point yet that I can say I know, I can gauge how the House feels about that. Cameras on stop arms for buses. Uh, apparently it has worked in some areas. Marshall County is an example of that. Do you uh, see that? Uh, it would be an additional cost, right? From I, I, that's a bill that I haven't got to look into yep. much either. But from what I understand, with Representative Goforth, is that there, the the way that he's got it structured is that money from those penalties would come back to those those counties and those school systems in order to pay for those those cameras. So there's very little cost. That, from my understanding of that, do you see the legislature offering an amendment to be voted on by the people of Kentucky to change the election year for governor and other statewide elected officials to an even numbered year? That's something that we've talked about for several years now, and I think that it's continuing to gain steam, and I think that that is a potential passage of, on a bill this, this year in the House as well. I know that the Senate has made that one of their priorities. Speaker Pro Tem Meade, thanks for coming. Appreciate it very much. Well, thank you. I know you're very busy, and we're lucky to get a few minutes with you, and we appreciate well, it. Well, thank you. Hope you'll stay with us on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Dr. Craig Humball, who's the Fayette County Health Commissioner, joins us next. We'll talk about what has now become a deadly flu season. We're back in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers, and we're glad you're with us. The flu outbreak in the country is the worst it's been in years. Kentucky is being hit hard, and Lexington has had its first flu-related fatality this week. Dr. Craig Humball is the Fayette County Health Commissioner, was previously State Health Commissioner. He's joining us today to talk about the flu concerns, as well as all the problems that vaping is causing for young people. And the region continues to deal with a horrible opioid epidemic. We'll touch on several topics with Commissioner Humball. Welcome back. We appreciate you coming in. Glad to be here. This flu uh, situation has really gotten our attention, especially after this uh, flu-related death in, in Lexington, mm -hmm. uh, underscoring uh, how tough the situation is. What can you tell us, first of all, mm -hmm. about that particular mm -hmm. situation? Well, flu numbers have certainly increased uh, here in Lexington and Central Kentucky in the last uh, few weeks. In fact, in a recent week, our flu numbers doubled, reported flu cases doubled here in Lexington. Um, and as you pointed out, sadly, we've had uh, one flu-related death. Um, I think uh, we anticipated this because other states were reporting widespread activity. Now Kentucky is reporting widespread activity throughout the state um, in you know, various areas. So yes, uh, flu is circulating out there, and this is not an unusual time for us to see peak flu season. January and February usually is that time of year. But do we know why there is so mm -hmm. much prevalence of the flu mm -hmm. this year? Mm -hmm. uh, flu seasons are very unpredictable. The virus itself is unpredictable. We never know quite 
we try to anticipate which strains are circulating in any any given year, but we never know, you know, really just how severe our flu season is going to be, which is why we recommend people take precautions such as getting a flu shot. Do we know how effective the vaccine mm -hmm. is this year yet? We don't yet know, but we do know that one of the main strains is circulating, which is H1N1, which is the previous pandemic strain, um, is covered by this year's flu shots. One of the four that's covered, it's a quadrivalent or four um, in one vaccine that you get, and um, that's one of them. So uh, we're hoping that uh, it's a good match this year, and um, but only time will tell. Uh, flu shots are your best defense against the flu, um, and they're not 100%, but uh, that's the best way to go. Everyone over six months of age should get a flu shot each season. And are the people of a certain age who uh, can get a, a stronger dose mm -hmm. of the flu shot? That's right. So seniors can get, uh, you know, a, a high dose vaccine, but if they can't find that, we still recommend that they just get the regular flu vaccine. Um, if they, we, some is better than none. Other things you can do uh, to try mm -hmm. to uh, stay healthy yeah. when, when the flu is out right. there. Wash your hands uh, well and frequently, um, and of course, try to distance yourself from people who are sick. Uh, those are really the best things to you do. You know, we've, we've had such strange weather this winter, mm -hmm. and certainly mm -hmm. that was the case around uh, the holidays, and now uh, here we are with the uh, record warmth mm -hmm. this weekend. Uh, does that mm -hmm. in any way play a factor? Yeah, and again, it's difficult for us to know, but flu really usually has a predilection for cooler temperatures, and also because flu is spread by an aerosol uh, that's emitted when people who are sick cough or sneeze, um, that's how it's actually spread. And so the closer we are to each other and when it's cold, cooler in, outside, we tend to be inside and closer to each other. And that is probably helps flu spread. If yeah. someone does have the flu, do you urge them to basically stay out of circulation? Yes, we do. And if you know they have flu symptoms, we also urge them to get in touch with their healthcare provider because if it's early enough, then they may be a candidate for an antiviral medicine that could uh, either shorten the course of the illness or ameliorate symptoms. All right, so the earlier you get on that, the better. Right. Let's talk another couple of topics. The vaping issue uh, keeps grabbing our attention. Uh, schools mm -hmm. say that it's very disruptive to them because it is going on, uh, you, mm -hmm. you know, as teachers are trying to uh, instruct. We've had uh, uh, all sorts of e-cigarette-related health issues that have been brought up as well. Uh, first of all, what has fueled the sudden predominance of this issue, in mm -hmm. your view? Yeah. Well, as you said, teens are much more likely to vape today than they are to use conventional cigarettes. And, um, you know, probably the reasons are, first of all, it's uh, easy to use. Uh, it's heavily flavored, smells good. Um, they make it in a lot of different types of flavors and it's easy to conceal. So the mechanism that you, you know, that you use to vape uh, is is quite easy and it's kind of cool looking. 
Um, and that may have fueled, you know, what we're seeing. Certainly the flavors are mm -hmm. things that kids, uh, our tobacco cessation yeah. coordinator says they come for the flavors and they stay for the nicotine. So what many people who vape don't realize is that most of these vapes, these vaping cartridges contain nicotine. And uh, so, yes, they are addictive. What would you have uh, young people know uh -huh. and their parents know uh -huh. about to what may be happening to their health as a result yes. of the vaping? Well, um, you've probably, you know, and many of them have heard that there is currently um, uh, an outbreak or a cluster of over 2,500 cases nationwide of uh, people who um, vape who have had lung injuries associated with that vaping. And um, some of them been very severe. In fact, over 50 deaths have been reported um, of vaping associated lung injury. And so, yes, there, this is a potentially, you know, it is a dangerous activity, a habit, and we certainly recommend that people do not vape. How are you reaching out? How do you reach the community that, uh, because you know, as public health, mm -hmm. education is a big part yeah. uh, of this. Yeah, yeah. How do you get word to the, yeah. the you know, 14 yeah. year olds to, right. to yeah, leave yeah, it yeah. <laughs> Well, there are a couple things. For, first of all, we're in support of really any type of strategy that would help uh, limit uh, the amount of uh, e-cigarettes or tobacco uh, that kids can get a hold of and also educate folks as you're talking about and parents about the dangers of vaping. Um, one uh, app that has uh, been in the news recently that City Partners are uh, expounding is the FEND app, F-E-N-D, and this is designed specifically to educate uh, teens and their parents about the dangers of vaping and hopefully deter them so it's a prevention type of an app. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to ask you about the opioid situation, mm -hmm. if things are improving there, and uh, what are the priorities of the health department as we head into a new year. We're coming back on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers with Lexington Fayette Commissioner of Health, Dr. Craig Humball. Welcome back. Great to have you here on WKYT for Kentucky Newsmakers, continuing our visit with Fayette County's Health Commissioner, Dr. Craig Humball. Appreciate you coming. Uh, you know, we were, we were talking about uh, the, the situation with the vaping and, and so forth. Uh, you also say that there are some new resources and tools out there for people who want to quit, whether it is e-cigarettes or get away from tobacco. Right, and uh, some of these are specifically designed for young people and teens to try to market to them to help them quit. So there's a, uh, a, a new program called My Life, My Quit, and you can go to mylifemyquit.com, and again, that's designed specifically to be able to give you messages to help you quit. Um, the state health department is promoting a text messaging service that's called This Is Quitting. Um, you can Google This Is Quitting and find out more about that, but it actually sends you messages um, on your cell phone or your smartphone. Um, and it can provide up to 90 days of counseling. And then we have our traditional quit line in Kentucky, which is 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Um, so all those are great resources for people who say, hey, time for me to quit this. Do people have to make up their own minds in that regard? Or just, you know, just, just writing people, yeah. so to speak, <laughs> about the well, uh, well, that Certainly, it's work. like any behavior change. They, they do have to make up their own minds, but we're hoping that the education and also 
this concern about vaping related lung injury is going to help change people's minds and help them decide, hey, this is the time that they should quit. We know the opioid crisis has gotten at least a little quieter out there. Uh, there are some encouraging indicators, though we know it is still a mm -hmm. horrific problem mm -hmm. in our mm -hmm. area and in our state. Uh, so at this point, uh, it is a burden to families, it's a burden to taxpayers yeah. and trying to, to deal with this. Do you see reason for optimism? Somewhat. Um, first of all, it is, as you said, still a big public health issue for us, the misuse of opioids, and we are now um, doing uh, 1,000 uh, needle exchange services uh, each month at the health department in Lexington. We know surrounding health departments have also seen an increase in the number of services that they're providing. Um, but at the same time, um, we are seeing some uh, promising data. One thing is that uh, opioid overdoses um, have leveled off, deaths have leveled off in Lexington and we're hoping that that trend continues and then actually we start to see a down um, a downturn. We haven't gotten the official 2019 data, but certainly in 2017 and 2018 we did see But is it because of, off, so. is it fewer so, incidents of so. it happening or is it that there's Narcan Could available? Could be bo yeah. both, yeah. probably. So uh, we're hoping that one is fewer overdoses mm -hmm. occurring, but we don't always know about every overdose. Sometimes they happen at home. We're also hoping that the fact that, for instance, the health department, since we started distributing Narcan, we've distributed over 3,600 kits through the health department. So we're hoping that that is also one reason that we're seeing a leveling off in this trend. We're also, I think, there are more options, for instance, available to folks um, for a treatment now, and there's more support for recovery in the community than there was. and we're seeing more um, grant monies available, uh, both at local, state, and also at the federal level available um, for solutions to this problem. And maybe uh, opportunities for people to uh, get to the underlying issue as to why it starts in the first place and maybe get them uh, back in employment and so forth. As we head into a new year, um, what would you just <laughs> tell people out there that, you know, they can do? Uh, what are your priorities uh, and what should people have as their priorities? Right. For for a better healthy year. Well, everybody makes New Year's resolutions, almost yep. everybody does, and many of them are health related. So uh, I don't think that I can tell folks specifically, I think they have to decide what those are, and many people know that. Um, but I would say that uh, don't give up on your resolutions for a healthier lifestyle. Um, a lot of people at this time, you know, we're a week or two into it, it's getting a little harder, and behavior change is hard. Um, but uh, remember that it's great to set lofty goals, but try to break them up into increments that you can actually achieve. And then one of the other tips uh, for sticking with your health New Year's resolutions is uh, simply to surround yourself with people who support you and create an environment where you can actually achieve the goals that you set for yourself. Well said. Dr. Yeah. Humbaugh, thanks as always. Really well, appreciate thank it. You, yes, thank you, Bill. Thank you for joining us for WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT This Morning, and you make it a good week ahead.